0: This sermon coming up on Thanksgiving weekend, and I said to him, I was like, oh, Lance, let me take care of that for you. I would love for you to have the weekend off just to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving leading up to it. Of course, in my mind, when I said that, I had a picture of what this week would look like. Just lots of extended time in the Word, preparing for this. And of course, I did get some of that time, but I didn't anticipate that this week would not just be Thanksgiving for me. It would be back to back to back to back to back celebrations. It started for us on Tuesday Um, at our house. We did a new thing. Some of you guys know that we moved out to a little farm um, earlier this year, just a couple of acres. So we raised our first Thanksgiving turkey. Yes, I have mixed feelings about this. (sighs) Some of you guys know that I am, um, you know, my husband raises the animals so well. We have sheep and chickens and a turkey that's gone now, and he raises them, and I watch from the window, and it's a beautiful marriage that we have <laughs> and uh, so Tuesday we harvested that's a really nice way to say we harvested our Thanksgiving turkey, and then Wednesday was our daughter Oakley's birthday. She turned two, which was amazing. She is absolutely incredible. We celebrated her from morning until night, early morning until night, and then. On Thursday, of course, was Thanksgiving, and Friday was a day that I have been looking forward to all year. We have a Christmas tree farm that we love going to. We've gone to every year of our marriage, and uh, we moved basically to the neighborhood. We just live a couple of minutes down the road now from there. So uh, since, the mo- since we bought our house in January, we've been looking forward to getting our Christmas tree this time. And I had all of these beautiful expectations of how it would go, but I probably don't have to tell you that after all these holidays, we were not our best selves on that day. <laughs> we had run ourselves a little bit ragged. Three of the five of our family were crying at the Christmas tree farm. I will not tell you which of the three. Five. It was amazing and beautiful. We got beautiful pictures. We have two trees at our house. We're so excited for Christmas, but it was, it was a little bit rough. I don't know if Thanksgiving's ever that way for you. I'm assuming we all have perfect families here with no weird dynamics. Ha, 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 Yeah, no, it's rough. I, the, the thing about the Thanksgiving table is that as wonderful as it is, it it's, has become this symbol of disunity, hasn't it? Who's going to be at the table? Who's not? Who's going to talk about politics? Who's not? Family is loaded. It's a loaded subject. And in the Word of God, you know, God calls us His children. When we look all throughout Scripture, we see it more than um, anything else. Where God calls us His children, it's this picture of a family of God. We have God the Father and the Son. We are now adopted into the family of God through the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, co-heirs to what He has for us. It's this beautiful picture, but especially at this time of year, it can feel a little more sparky, like a live wire, but I believe that this morning as I've been praying for what God would want to speak to us this morning, I felt like the Lord really wanted to speak into that place. so will you pray with me as we as we get started, Lord? We love you so much, God, you are good, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, Lord God. May my words fall away and may your words come alive. Lord, I pray that um, all of our under all of the understanding that we have of what family is, Lord God, I pray that you would illuminate it with your truth. We love you, God, and we lift you up. In your name we pray. Amen. So um if you know my family at all, you know, my husband and I are on are on staff here. We're we're part of the pastoral team here. We also have three children, Law, Oakley, and Royal, four, two, and zero, you know, three-month-old. And if anybody's ever walked through this season of parenting, you know it is, like, really intense, and it's kind of a physical job. It's not like this mental job. It's like I am, like, constantly being touched and need it, need help, and 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 I'm up and I'm down and I hear crying and then I have to run to them. And maybe you're in this season, maybe you're not, maybe it's a season you long for. I know that this brings a lot of uh feelings along with it, thinking about this season of parenthood. But if you haven't gone through it, somebody was doing that for you when you were that age. We've all been there. And um, it's wonderful, and I would say 95% of the time, I'm just so Happy to be in this season. It is the biggest surprise blessing of my life. I wasn't one that dreamed about motherhood, but I love it, and God is teaching me so much through it. But there are moments at which you hit your limit, right? There are moments at which you, there is too much bodily fluid that is not yours on your body that you just gotta step back and say, okay, I, I need a little bit of a break. A couple of weeks ago, I hit that moment. It was a Saturday. My husband uh, was working out in the pasture, and I was inside, and I just got, I, I hit my limit, and I was overwhelmed. And I came to him, I said, babe, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I have got to get out of here. I haven't slept for a long time. We have a two-month-old. I'm exhausted. And he said, go, just get out of here. I said, I'll be back in four hours, which was convenient, conveniently 15 minutes after bedtime. I said, I'll be back in four hours And uh, I just started driving, and I did what any reasonable person does with four hours to kill. I went to Target, which is the place to just cleanse your mind of all of the insanity of this world. So I'm driving to Target, and I'm asking God, Lord, will you take this stress off of my shoulders? Do you ever go to God like that in your time of, of, of distress and weakness? Do you ask him to come close to you? Because I was ready for him to do that beautiful, miraculous thing. That amazing thing where, where, where he would say, peace be still, to the storm of my heart. And then it would just go silent. And I'd be able to breathe for the first time. I was waiting for that moment where he would, he would speak the little nugget to my heart that would just take it all off my shoulders. And I'd be able to finally breathe. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. I kept asking Jesus, Lord, where are you? God, just take it away. And, I was, and I, was, I was specifically saying to him, God, I don't know the last time that I have been without my children on my brain. I just can't even do this anymore. When they're asleep, I'm thinking about them. When I'm asleep, somehow they're thinking about me and they're jumping in my bed. It's never ending all the time. I'm with them constantly. And I was asking God to take the stress off and he did that thing that a really good God does. He is so faithful. Instead of taking it away from me, he actually just pushed in a little bit harder on me. And he said, I said, Lord, where are you? And he said, Kari, do you know that I'm that type of parent to you? Do you know that I never, ever, ever leave you? Do you know that I'm thinking about you constantly? Do you know that every single time that you cry, you think I'm in the other room, I, he- I hear you. I'm a good parent who is with you always. I see it all. Today we're going to be just kind of living in a couple of verses in John chapter 14. They're verses 16 through 18. And Jesus at this point is talking to his disciples. And he has not gone to the cross yet. He's speaking about the time at which he will die and be resurrected, go up to heaven. And he's speaking about what's going to happen then. And he speaks about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's just read that together. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We are called the children of God all over the Bible. that we, we sing it in church. I am a child of God. And what does that mean? And what are the implications of that? It's something that I feel like I say a lot but don't really know or let transform me at times. It's this picture of a family. But sometimes there are analogies. Have you ever had an analogy that you've used that you're like, "Ooh, this is a good one." You know what I you know what this thing is like and you give this analogy and then someone just asks like one more question and then it and you kind of take it farther down the road and then the whole thing just falls apart. You're like, "Oh, maybe that wasn't as good." Like you say, "You know what? My marriage is like a grilled cheese sandwich. That's what it's like. It's like a grilled cheese sandwich and I'll tell you why. I'm the bread, they're the bread and when we got married, Our circumstances were like the cheese in the middle, but then we thought we were a good cheese sandwich, but then someone turned up the heat, and it got intense, and we thought we'd burn up, but instead, the cheese just melted, and we became one unit. That's a pretty good analogy, and you can be sure of it. You can know, like, my analogy will never fail, and then someone says, oh, yeah, that's really good, so who's the sandwich for? You're like, "Um, it's for the Holy uh, not the Holy Spirit, it's for the world, it's for the world. It's for the world to see my good marriage. So does the world eat your sandwich? Yes, and it nourishes them. So then is your marriage gone? No, I am not a grilled cheese sandwich. Have you ever had those analogies that you think are so good, and then you take it further down the road, and they just fall apart? The picture of us as children of God is a picture. It's an analogy. It's a way that we understand our acceptance in God's eyes. And this is one that doesn't fall apart. This is is an analogy that's through and through good. But I have to admit, even in my own misunderstandings of who God is and my own sinful nature, I want to poke holes in it. I want to say, you know, yeah, I'm a child of God, but do you know what happened to me as a child? I don't really want to be a child anymore. We take our experiences from our families and we say, you're calling us brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, do you know what my brother did to me? I don't want to be brothers and sisters in Christ. You say that you're my father, God, but I don't really want you to be my father. I want you to be my friend. We try to poke holes in this analogy into this picture of who we are in relationship to God. But church, I would ask you this morning, as we are talking about the role of of God as our parent, that we will push those things aside. Because the Bible is true and good and living and active in our lives. And when we go into the Word of God, there are times in which we have to say, Lord, I know that your truth is above my truth. There are complications and difficulties at the Thanksgiving table that do not apply when we are in the presence of God. He is a better, no matter how good your dad is, he's a better dad than that. He's a good, good God who wants perfect things for us, his perfect love to define us. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he was changing their perspective about who God was. It hadn't been since the garden— that people had walked so closely with God. And the the Jewish people had some misconceptions over the years of who God was. And when Jesus came, he shifted their priorities. He showed them love in a way that they had never experienced before. But when he was talking about the time at which he would leave them and go up to heaven, it scared them. That feeling of, is God going to abandon me? I thought that I finally had this love. What's going to happen? Jesus spoke directly to that. We're going to go back to those verses in John 14. And Jesus is saying to them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Church catches, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you have ever lived without the presence or the love or the care of a parent, you know that deep longing for that place to be filled. You miss it. If you've lived without the presence or the care or the love of a parent, you know how deeply we need that at every single level. And so when Jesus is saying, I'm going back up to heaven, he's saying, don't worry, not for a minute will I abandon you. I'm going to send the helper, who is the Holy Spirit, down to this earth. And the Holy Spirit is going to change your understanding of who God is and how he relates to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I have never forgotten who you are. I will come to you. Can someone say amen? That is good. That is a good word coming from our God that he will not leave us or forsake us. He will come to us where we live. The Bible calls us children. And I think that it's in, within our nature to say, yes, I'm a child of God. But we don't like to think of ourselves as small children. We're like, yeah, I'm a child of God. I'm like a 17 and a half year old child. I'm almost there. You know, Jesus on the earth was like 30 to 33 when he's doing his ministry, and I'm like going to get to him real quick. We don't like to think of ourselves as small children. I'm at least a preteen. I'm pretty smart. But, you know, the difference between my children's mind and my mind is actually different. My husband and I, our brains are more developed, more sophisticated. They have the same size Jesus as us, but they don't have the same size understanding or street smarts or whatever you want to call it. And so when we're talking this morning, I want to talk about five areas in which the Holy Spirit is near us and with us, coming from the Word of God. But I want us to remember that Holy Spirit, as our parent, we are children in his eyes. He is so much bigger and greater than we can ever ask or imagine. Now, the word that is used for the word helper. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send you a helper. That word, I cannot pronounce. It's called like, it starts with a P. I got a degree in teaching, not in, not in uh, Greek or Hebrew. I believe that it's percolitos. Hey, someone said, yep, that means I'm right. That is the word that is used for helper. And helper can be translated multiple different ways. It's a word that holds a lot of different meanings or perspectives. And the ones that we're going to be talking about today, three of them are the comforter, the counselor, actually I should say four, the helper, the advocate. This is the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And I believe that this morning the Lord wants to, to shift our perspective on how he leads us and parents us. So the first one we're going to be talking about this morning is comforter. The Holy Spirit as our comforter. John 14, 27, Jesus is comforting the disciples, and he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You know, like I said, my kids' minds are not quite as advanced. They don't see as far out. They don't have the same experience that my husband and I do. And, um, The way that I've I've noticed my kids at this age is that they see directly what's in front of them. So they wake up in the morning and they're hungry, so I feed them. All they can think about is getting food until I give them the food. And at that moment, they are satisfied. They are fine. But I know that if we're leaving the house right around 10.30 or so, they're going to be hungry again. And to me, this is not an emergency. I just know like, i got to cut up some apples and get some crackers and just put it together in my bag. But for my children who don't see that coming, all they think when they get hungry, when we get to that place, say we're at the zoo, they're thinking about the elephants and the monkeys. And ten thirty rolls around, and suddenly they're hungry. To them, it is an emergency. It is like, hey, life is good. There's the monkeys; they're hilarious. Oh my goodness, I'm feeling really hungry. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Where is the food? I have discovered hunger. No one has felt the hunger that I am feeling right now. Oh my gosh! And they're just crying. They're freaking out. This is the worst moment of their entire life. But I knew this day was coming. So I've got the apples, I've got the crackers, and I'm able to just pull it out and comfort them in their distress. Do you know that God sees what's coming for each one of us? Our hunger, our disaster, whatever we're going through at this moment, God doesn't look at it and laugh at it but he knows that it's coming. The problem is not too big for him. He cares for us. He comforts us. He's close to us. Now, church, I'm, not, I'm no dummy. My kids are four, two, and three months old. I. They're going to have a lot more problems coming that are way more complicated than apples and crackers. I'm aware of this. But we serve a God who knows everything and our problems will never, ever, ever get too big for him. Our problems will never get too big for him to comfort us through and help us through and walk us through. Which brings us to our next our next function of the Holy Spirit. Another another translation would be that our Holy Spirit is our counselor. A couple of chapters away in John 16, 13, it says, But he, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. You know, um, when we think about a counselor nowadays, we often think about a therapist, someone who talks with us through our problems, maybe um, gives us some, some medical help. This specific word for counselor, the original actually is more referring to legal counsel. But they actually serve similar purposes. We think of counselors sometimes as people who tell us how to do the next thing. But when I went into counseling, it was one of the healthiest things I've ever done. And my counselor didn't do that. He presented me with information. He asked me questions. He kind of guided me in a direction. But I had to make the decision on my own. I had to be the one to take the initiative. Isn't that so like God? He has given us free will. We can't do anything. he, He can't make us do anything. He's allowed us to make the choices. But as our counselor, he comes alongside of us and speaks to us, and says, let's talk about this. Let's look at the things. Holy Spirit knows the answer, but he won't, he's not pushing. He won't make us do anything. As much as I would love to show my children and make my children do things, it just doesn't work that way. There are times that I have to do things with them, but I can never really do things for them. Holy Spirit, being in our lives, guides us, into truth, but does not force us into the way that we should go. That is scary, and that is freeing, and that is loving. Serve a good God. The other one that we're going to talk about today that this can translate into is the advocate and the helper. Back in John 14, 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you, catch this, church, while abiding with you. But the helper or the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. You know, the thing about a helper, I like the way that sounds personally. When I hear that Holy Spirit's going to be with me, as close to me as a parent with their young children, and is going to be my helper. There's a part of my selfishness that gets very excited for that. Holy Spirit's going to supercharge my actions. I'm going to be unstoppable. Whatever I want, whatever I put my mind to, Holy Spirit will be my helper and help me do that. And while there are moments that that can be true, that that can be true, that the Holy Spirit will lead us somewhere and we'll, and something miraculous will happen, that miracles will happen. The truth of a helper is that they will, as it says in the scripture, abide with you. A true helper abides with you, lives with you, is with you at all times. You know, my children are with me all the time and are with my husband all the time. The way that we have the opportunity to live and to work, they get to be with us. I, I have the blessing of, living, of working here at the church, and the kids come with me. We have an amazing nanny, Lizzie, who takes care of my older ones, but our youngest one still stays with me. All my babies have come with me into meetings, into whatever I'm doing. They're right there alongside me. When we come to church and like my husband was, um, had the opportunity to tile the uh, coffee shop with Nikolai and John, some people who came and helped us. It was great. My kids got to come and watch for part of us. that. They, I wasn't making them do any of that. They were just watching. They were there. But as they are with us, as my husband is tending to the animals and they're there with him, they learn, they see what he sees. When they're with me, they see what I see, and they learn just by being with us. Now, I may help them in what they're doing, and I see what they see, but more often than not, they're going to see what I see. And that's how it is with God. You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. How does that happen? He has to be with God. There has to be a closeness of that relationship. Now, some of you are on a path this morning. and I felt like the Lord spoke this to me as I was preparing. The Lord is saying, there are some people here this morning who have taken the, uh, the notion that God is with them all the time, and you have set your eyes on something, and you are running for it. And you're saying, God's going to stay with me. I've been there. God's going to stay with me, where I'm going, you're like my two-year-old Oakley, running down the street as fast as she can, and I'm chasing after her, and she has her eyes on it, and it's true, I'm still with her, but she's not seeing what I see, I'm seeing what she sees, and there's going to be a moment at which she is lost, and she stops, and she says, Mommy, Daddy, some of you have done that with God where you are running so hard after something and you feel lost, and if you would just stop for a moment and cry out, Daddy, he's going to scoop you up, he's going to hold you close, and he's going to take you home. You can never outrun God. But how much do we miss when we try to get God be, make God be our helper instead of letting ourselves be transformed into his image by being by his side? Now, if you go a little farther into John, chapter 16, we're talking about the Holy Spirit again. In this fourth aspect of who the Holy Spirit is in our life, again, I feel is so close to that picture of a parent with young children. That our Holy Holy Spirit is convicting of sin. John 16, 7 says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus talking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. I think that when we talk about this issue or this picture of family, the aspect of God's character and the Holy Spirit being convicting of sin is the thing that trips us up probably the most into saying, I don't want God to be my dad. I don't want God to be my parent. Because this picture of convicting of sin is of the authority coming down, isn't it? Look what you did wrong. You're going to pay for this. Those are the things that come up with inside of us. And when we look at a, at, at a father who does not act in love, this can just derail our relationship with God. But it's not like that. You know, my children, when they are in my presence, they know what they have done wrong without me saying a thing. Has anybody have that with their with their mom? When Your mom doesn't have to know anything. And as soon as you see in her presence, you're like, oh, no, I remember. Right? Like all the bad things come to the surface. My son-in-law, the other day I was walking into the living room, and I I, I didn't know what he was doing. And I come around the corner, and he looks at me, and he goes, Mom, I didn't wake Royal up. I didn't wake Royal up. And I was like, so you woke Royal up. No, I didn't. So you woke up your baby brother. It was an accident. The moment he saw me, the moment he saw me, it came up. It was like, oh, my goodness. I remember. And, of course, I was a little bit annoyed, but I wasn't mad at him. You know, when you stand in the presence of a holy, perfect God, and when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, the things inside of you that are imperfect and unholy, they just feel really uncomfortable, don't they? God doesn't have to yell at you for you to know that there's something that needs to be made right. Our God is gentle and loving and definitely has final authority. But the only time that God is going to call out your name is if you're running from him. If you, if you come close to him, he's going to whisper to you. And those things, that you're ne- those things inside of you that need to come and be made right with God, it's going to be natural. But I have to tell you, friends, you're never going to be at peace until you bring those things to God. There will never be a moment in your life that you can be in the presence of God and not feel comfortable and breathe until we are repenting of our sins, until we're asking God to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. And he always wants to do it. He always wants to do it. The final aspect of the character of, of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about this morning is not necessarily in these scriptures, but it's something that happens naturally as we are in relationship with our children or parents is that we grow into a friendship with God. Now, I am not my children's friend right now. I'm their mom, and there is absolutely a difference. But there is a day that is coming when they, that I will get to stop parenting them and start being their friend that the relationship we develop over all of these years is going to come into a fruition where we can just be together. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not necessarily, he's never going to stop being our father. He's not going to stop parenting us because we're always going to be children with him. But there can come to a place where even already, my children and I, we have inside jokes. We have things that we talk about and we laugh about. I mean, just really laugh deeply We have fun together. And in your relationship with God, it's not all business. He wants to be close to you. He wants to spend time with you. I remember when I was a young Christian, that was a really hard concept for me. I'd hear about people saying, oh, I just had the best time in prayer this morning. I'd be like, I I don't know how to get beyond my checklist. That just sounds so daunting. But as we allow the Holy Spirit to be our parent and close to us at every single moment that's going to that's going to develop naturally church there's not a single one of us that is discounted from the presence of god when we come to him when we say cleanse me of my unrighteousness i want to be close to you now church this morning i had laura come up a little bit early because i want us to just spend a moment of reflection And talking to God. Because do you remember this morning when when worship started, I had no idea the songs that we were singing, that they would be this anthem one after the other about the faithfulness and the love of our God. As we sang those words, there is no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. God... I feel like God just wants to give us this complete picture from start to finish that no matter what the disunity we may feel in this Thanksgiving week or going in the bittersweetness of the holidays, God is saying, I have, you are not disqualified. I have a gift for you. I have love for you. I want to be closer to you than anyone else. There is no dark night of the soul that I will not be there right beside you. So church, let's close our eyes and I'd like us to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to speak to us. Now, if you've never heard the voice of God before, it is a still, small voice inside. It may not be something that you hear with your ears. If you'd like to learn more about it, we we just finished a series on talking to God. You can find that on on our website. But let's just quiet ourselves and let's listen for his voice. It is a voice that always is of love. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Lord God, I thank you that you say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you where you were. I will come to you. I will never abandon you. I will never manipulate you. I will never abuse you. I will never expose you. I am a God who loves you. I want to hide you in my wings. I feel like the Lord is saying this morning that there are some of you that cannot picture a loving parent because one was never there for you, but God is saying, I want to explode that image and replace it with a steady, faithful, loving God. Jesus, come. Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak to us. God, what what are the lies that we are believing about you? Just ask, the Lord, where you are right now, Lord, what are the lies? Lord, I pray that as you bring those to mind, Lord God, would you come in and replace them with your love and your truth? Lord, will you give every one of us a picture of what your love and truth is? In Jesus' name, we speak to the lie that says that, that any one of us is an illegitimate child. God, you are good. Thank you, God, that you call us fully yours. You'll never have one foot out the door. And Lord, I, right now I do ask that those of us that are weary in relationship, whether it be through the parenting or sibling relationships or any any of those types of relationships that this week that maybe it's brought up Lord God would you just bring that balm that healing balm on us God you are so 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 good. we love you Lord in your name we pray amen church my encouragement to you this morning is, will you go?